brothers and sisters, we celebrate today the solemnity of Christ the King. That's why I'm wearing white. Christ the King. I'm not totally sure that we as Americans know what to do with this feast because we don't really like kings. We tend to want to vote our leaders in, although I don't know why anymore at this point. The way politics are, I'm like, why are we even doing this? Hey, um, but whatever, all right? But at least we know we don't like kings. Here's a history of this solemnity. It was instituted, it's not, it's not an a ancient one. This one goes back only to 1925. So it's not even 100 years old. 1925, Pope Pius XI established this solemnity the last Sunday in ordinary time before Advent begins next week as the solemnity of Christ the King. And he did it for a very specific reason. So think 1925. We're just coming out of World War I, but the situation is rife for what would happen just less than two decades later, World War II. So the Pope was looking at the world and looking at the church in the world and said, something's not right. Nations and people are becoming more and more secular and they're giving themselves over to exactly the type of nationalism that got us into World War I would lead us into World War II. And so he said, we have to do something. Catholics need to know that their king is Christ and not anything else. See, he knew something crucial, Pope Pius XI. He knew that back in 1925 and the same in 2022, that we will for sure give ourselves over to some type of ruler, no matter what. We're going to give ourselves over to some type of ruler, no matter what. As much as we like to think we're independent and we're so free and sovereign, nope, we give ourselves over to rulers all the time. Could be a set of ideas. Again, think of politics. Think of how many people make politics the most important thing in their life. Or other ideas that shape and form them. This is what I'm about. It could be a cultural standard of success or happiness or how we need to look all sorts of things that we hand ourselves over to when we let those things rule us it could be something that we do our academics or sports things that we perform that then give us our sense of identity and this is who I am okay or it could be some aspect of our personality good things but maybe also even not so good things within us that define us and say this is who I am and this therefore rules me or you guys it could just be your phone it could be that simple right your phone goes off and you're like instantly and it rules you so something is ruling us all the time and the Pope was like let's make sure we have the right ruler Let's make sure we have the one true king to be our king. And so he pointed the whole church to Jesus Christ as king of everything. So we, we call this solemnity the feast of, or the solemnity of Christ the king, but the full title is this. It's the solemnity of our Lord Jesus Christ, king of the universe. 
the solemnity of our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the universe, that he is king of everything, the whole universe and everything in it, including us, including us. And here's why that's such a good thing for us. Because if we acknowledge Christ as king, we're saved from the awful burden of having to rule ourselves, of having to establish our own kingdom, of having to be our own standard of right and wrong, good and evil, truth or falsehood. And that's exactly the trap that postmodern culture has fallen into. And all it breeds is what you see around. Tons of anxiety, tons of burden, tons of slaveries. So we're saved from that if we have Christ as our king. We're also saved, and really most importantly, we're saved from something that absolutely traps all of us. And that's the dominion of sin in our lives. We acknowledge Christ as our king. He's the only one who has the power to cast that out of us, to free us there. No one and nothing, and certainly not ourselves, is strong enough to break the slavery of sin. So we have him. But what type of king is he? You know, kings have power. What type of power does Christ have? Well, enter this gospel, this gospel that we just heard from Luke. It's specifically chosen by the church on the solemnity of Christ the King, our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the universe. And the church puts us at Calvary because this is the type of king that we have. Jesus on the cross. Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews, the I-N-R-I, Jesus Nazarenus, rex Judeorum, above the cross. This is our king. This is him at his most sovereign and his most powerful. Jesus on the cross, crowned with thorns, his throne, an instrument of torture. This is him. This is the king and the only one that we can actually trust. Every other king we should be scared of. But not this one. What's interesting in this is that in the Gospel of Luke, all the way back at the start of his ministry, he goes, he's driven into this desert by the Holy Spirit where he's tempted. He's tempted three times. And at the end of that temptation, it says the devil left him for another time. Well, here's where we have the other time. Three times he's tempted while he's on the cross. From the rulers, from the soldiers, and from one he was crucified with. And the temptations are all the same. Save yourself. Come down from the cross. Show your power. Save yourself. And to that temptation, Jesus says no. He stays. He stays on the cross. 
And instead of saving himself, he offers himself in radical obedience to his Father and out of perfect love for each one of us. He gives himself. He lays down his life. And friends, that is why he is the king we can trust. Any other king, any other earthly ruler uses us, doesn't care about us. But Christ the king, the one who lays down his life, loves us to the point of dying for us. That's the king we want to serve. His kingdom's so different. Earthly kings and their kingdoms are imposed. But Jesus' kingdom is proposed. He entices, he invites, he draws our hearts. He says in John's gospel, he goes, when I'm lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. He's going to invite us to his heart. That heart on the cross, which is pierced, opened, Pope Benedict said, Jesus' heart is opened and it's never closed since. His kingly heart opened, pouring out his love, his mercy, his life for the world, for each one of us. That love poured out so that we could entrust our hearts to him. That we might invite him into our hearts to establish his kingdom there. That's what's so radically different about him. So what should we do? Two things. First, invite him in. Invite the king of kings in. Right into the places where you're most dominated by something else. Because we all have divided hearts. Our hearts are made for one king, for one ruler. His name is Jesus Christ. But every one of us, you, me, every person you meet, we all have rival claimants to the throne of our hearts. Could be some sin in your life. Could be some broken way of seeing yourself. Right there, that's where you invite Jesus in. And don't think that he wouldn't want to be there. No, he wants to reign there. The place where you seem least in control. The place where you can't fix yourself. The place where you're most broken. That's where the king of kings wants to come. And all we have to say is, Jesus, come into my heart. Establish your kingdom right there. That's what he wants for us tonight. So invite him in. And the second thing, to bend the knee. To bend the knee to the king of kings. If we lived in medieval times and the king entered, we would all take a knee. We would genuflect. That word genuflect literally means to bend the knee. We would get down on, the, on our knees in front of our king. It teaches us two things. Humility, because we're not the center of everything. Friends, listen to that. Remember, you are not the center of the world or the universe. You're not even the center of your own life. It's one of the worst lies that we've come to believe. We make everything about us and all it breeds is sadness, anxiety, worry, and fear. We're not the center. Christ is the center. We exist for him. We exist through him. We exist in him. 
And if we know that truth, then we're saved from making everything about us, which is a burden too heavy to bear. And humility is the way out of that trap. So we bend the knee to say, Lord, you are Lord, not me. And not anything else, not even anything else in me, but you are Lord. So we bend the knee. The other thing it teaches us is this, that we have something to offer. You see, to bend the knee wasn't just a sign of humility that someone greater than me was in the, was in, in, in the room. To bend the knee toward your king, toward your sovereign, meant a pledge of your service to him. Oh my goodness what this chapel has to offer Jesus Christ. The gifts you have, the talents you have, what you possess. Some of you the strength of your intellect, some of you the strength of your heart, some of you the sufferings that you bring to our Lord, the kindness you're able to extend, what you have to offer him. And when we bend the knee, we make a pledge. Jesus, this is for you. All I am, all I have, it's for you and the service of your kingdom. And then, my friends, amazing freedom happens. Because as we pledge our service to him, we become free. If I serve him, I don't have to serve anyone else or anything else. If I serve him, I choose to serve first him, then his people, and then those things that are actually worthy of me. That's the great gift. In serving we reign. St. John Paul II said that. To serve is to reign. To serve the king of kings, to give everything to him, is to reign. It's to allow his rule to establish itself in your life and to make you truly free as only the king of kings can do. So my friends, as we come to the altar today, as Jesus comes to us, we will bend the knee as he is made present. Let's bend the knee out of humility because one greater than us, and praise God for that, one greater than us is coming to us. But also let's bend the knee as a sign of offering, as a sign of fealty, as a sign of loyalty, that we serve none other than the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. And to serve him is to reign.